Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. I am pleased to welcome today Tim Metzner, who is co-founder and chief strategy and growth officer at Coterie Insurance. Hi, Tim, and welcome to the Platform Podcast. Hello, Elle. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. And I loved your webinar that you did with Tony Hayden from from Homey, which is a, a sort of skills marketplace for sort of home services. They're a, a client of yours, aren't they? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. it. It was really fun. Homey's been a fantastic partner for us. Um, you know, for the last couple of years now, we've been working together to figure out how do we how do we help make sure their marketplace, their pros, their you know their organization is properly protected from an insurance standpoint, and do that in a way that doesn't hinder the you know sort of the onboarding sign-up process for their pros and uh, i feel like we've kind of collectively built a pretty creative solution for a marketplace like Comey, who is you know trying to pair providers uh, of home services with you know homeowners and folks like that who actually need a job done so it's been a great partnership and and as you can tell from the um you know from the seminar yesterday uh Tony is fantastic and, and just a wealth of knowledge uh, as you think about sort of risk overall from a platform standpoint. That's right. And the, the focus yesterday was on vetting and screening the, the workforce that you, you onboard onto your platform. And I thought we could speak today about about gig platforms and I know uh, you know when you and I have talked before we've said you know there's gig platforms some people like to call them marketplaces for services but you know essentially what you're doing there is connecting someone with with skills to offer with someone who, who needs those services and I have seen a huge interest in uh, this type 
of platform. I think, you know, especially this crazy year, people have maybe been furloughed or made redundant. They're looking for ad hoc work. They're looking for extra income. And then on the other side of it, the, the users of these platforms, um, we've seen a huge uptake in people wanting to improve their homes because they can't go anywhere. So there's a, a big focus on home improvements as well. And, you know, people are maybe wanting things done um, in a more cost-effective way as well. So there's lots of reasons why why gig mm-hmm. platforms have um, you know become a, a more of more interest to people that maybe hadn't before. And also, I suppose there has been a, a real uptake in people using apps and platform technology in general because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. using obviously Zoom is a great example. We've seen lots of people adopting technology they maybe wouldn't have before. So so all in all, I think there's a a, a big trend towards this this type of way of working and, and more flexible way of working as we all begin to work from home etc have you seen these trends coming through to to your part of the the ecosystem have, have they reached the insurance part of of this world yet have you seen more people coming to you with with new startup ideas yeah you know i would say it is a bit of a perfect storm um in fact i just Shared earlier today, came across an article in the Wall Street Journal um, that indicated that we are seeing the uh, application for new businesses at the fastest rate since 2007. And and sort of intellectually, it makes sense, right? When, um, for whatever reason, if a bunch of people are out of work or it becomes a hard you know economy to get a job in, people are forced to sort of strike out on their own, right? And whether that's a freelancer, an individual just bringing their skills to the marketplace in whatever way they can, or it's, you know, opening a coffee shop on the corner, we're sort of bound to see new businesses created. Um, so certainly insurance is a part of that. I would say, you know, the, the insurance piece lags maybe a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about kind of starting a business, um, rightfully so, we always say like insurance is, insurance is not something a, a founder or a, or a contractor is excited to get. You don't, <laughs> wake up on Saturday morning excited to go shop for your business insurance policy. In fact, it's usually like until someone tells you you have to have it, it doesn't even really cross your mind. So mm-hmm. it lags a bit. And, and frankly, that's really sort of the premise that Coterie was built on was, you know, we saw that getting business insurance is sort of drastically harder than other kinds of insurance and really harder than most things we're used to in life today. You know, to your point, we're using technology more than ever and we're sort of used to this idea that everything is on demand and I can get it when I need it. And yet still today to get business insurance, 95 plus percent of it, at least in the United States still goes through an agent or broker. And, you know, while there's nothing wrong with that and we think there's like, you know, agents and brokers will always have play a critical role for a really small freelancer. Like the business risk is not that hard to assess and it's fairly easy for them to, you know, get a policy on their own if there was just the tools to do that. And, so that's sort of what we founded Coterie, you know, with that idea that, A, people don't like insurance. They don't like to think about it. They just want to get what they need when they need it. Um, and B, there, there had to be an easier way to do that. And so we said, what if we could, whether you're buying a policy from your agent or broker or, you know, or you're getting it at a point of need, like a marketplace um, that is saying, hey, we want you to have business insurance to be on our platform, like, great let's put insurance right where you need it, when you need it and make it, you know, a button press easy experience. Mm -hmm. Because as you say, it's not the, 
it's not the glamorous part of being a, a startup founder, is it? I mean, it's not the one you dream about. No, <laughs> when, and, you, when you think of your big idea. Yeah, and I think that you, you're right. The big idea is the the you know the part that gets people excited, and and people like being able to you know describe how different or exciting their their platform is and what problem it's going to solve for people and what impact it's going to have. And, and I, you know, I'm lucky enough to be on, on that side of it. And I think through the, the marketing side of it and all that, you do get to get a bit more touchy feely around a brand and what the offering is and who they're, you know, who they're talking to. But at the same time, you know, these parts of it, um, you know, you can think as much about the marketing as you want to. If the insurance isn't in place, then you're not going to have a, a platform, are you? Because uh, right. it, it seems to me, and much more as I learn more and more about this world, that insurance isn't some, you know, luxury or, you know, something that obviously you, you you need it's more than that it's actually part of the the growth strategy of a business and I think that's really fascinating that it can be so built in to a business's potential to to succeed and and to scale um, and do you think that startup founders which I tend to find that usually you know there's a, a tech person involved quite often a marketing person sometimes somebody with a bit more financial experience do you find that these combinations of founders, early stage startup founders, um, tend to really not have this part of it on their radar? Do they, do they tend to sort of think, oh, gosh, you know, it's on the list, but we don't really know much about it? I, I would say yes, Ellen, rightfully so. Like there is a litany of things you have to figure out as an early stage founder. I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I've you know been a part of starting many businesses and insurance is never on my first few things list. <laughs> um, you know, again, it's, it's sort of one of those things like, well, well, we'll get to it when we have to get to it. Um, and uh, you, you certainly don't want to wait too long because there is, you know, I, we like to talk about insurance as a social good. And if you think about platforms, this really applies on multiple levels. Like for the platform itself, you certainly want to make sure they are protected Um and in fact, think about that sort of before it's too late, so to speak. Um, but if you think about it on the individual provider level, like it's also social good. In either case, if something catastrophic will occur, and we never like to think about the downside, but you know, if something bad happens and you don't have proper coverage, it's game over. Like mm -hmm. you, you know, you're going to have to not only pack it up and send it home, but if you're that individual, like freelancer or contractor. Um, you know, there's a risk of, of sort of personal liability and, and kind of family and, and house and whatever else you might have could also be at risk. And, and that's really the, the critical thing that, again, mm -hmm. most people don't necessarily think about when they're starting out. But uh, it's one of those things that if you need it, you, you hope you have it, um, because, again, it can be that sort of game over, uh, you know, event if if you're not properly mm -hmm. covered. So it's really interesting in this world to think about there's multiple trends, as you said, that are, are sort of leading to the rise of the gig economy. And so we think about it as like, we want to make sure those providing the services in the gig economy are protected, but, but also those platforms who are connecting those service providers, you know, with jobs, like they're sort of at risk as well. And, and you know, that's maybe a bit of a non-obvious uh, risk as a, as a founder of a marketplace that you might not consider is the risk of something going wrong on the job from that provider, uh, there's a pretty short line, short path back to you if 
something does go wrong and, and that provider for whatever reason doesn't have coverage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now it's going to fall back to you as well. So coming from a, a layman or laywoman like me who doesn't, you know, it doesn't really know the ins and outs of insurance to me, what might seem like it would make sense was, would be for the platform to just take on some gigantic big corporate policy that covered the crap out of them and, you know, and, <laughs> and all their, and all the workers that were, were on the platform. Right. Um, so what I take it, <laughs> I'm guessing you're going to say that that's not what you do, but why, what, what's the, why is that not what um, happens and, and, you know, what, what are the reasons for that? Honestly, Al, that probably is the most common approach, um, especially early on. Um, most, you know, platforms or marketplaces, you know, they do have a corporate policy. At some point, they get that corporate policy, and and you know, oftentimes that that will extend, you know, down to the individuals as well. Couple of reasons um, that could be a risky bet. Um, so one is in the United States, especially, we have you know a lot of sort of conversations swirling around employee classification, right? So, you know, am I considered a, should I be considered a W-2 employee or am I really a 1099 contractor? And depending on what state you're in, obviously California being the most aggressive, um, you know, there are risks of doing different things that could make it look like your providers should actually be employees. And, you know, one of those buckets or one of those boxes that they look for is like, are you providing benefits to the individual? So, if I get as a marketplace, uh, if I get a very large corporate policy that just, you know, sort of blankets or extends down to the individual providers, you know, that looks and feels like an employee benefit. Mm. And so that may be one check on the side of like, hey, you know, should these guys be W-2 employees, which for most platforms, marketplaces, like their business model doesn't work if they're forced to employ these guys as W-2 employees. And there's a lot of good reasons for the gig workers that they don't want to be considered that either. So, you know, one of the things that is not so obvious is you have to be careful about, you know, extending benefits in a way, even if it is insurance, that looks and feels like this is coverage that an employee would get, uh, including being on my corporate policy. So that's one risk. The other risk of that model is you're looking at shared limits. So, you know, usually with insurance, you have a, you know, a per occurrence limit, and then you have an aggregate limit. So if something bad happens, there's a limit, you know, for that occurrence, but there's also a total aggregate limit of coverage for that policy for an entire calendar year. So if our aggregate limit is $2 million, let's say, and you're extending down this policy to potentially thousands of contractors, like it doesn't take very many, uh, bad events to bump up against that $2 million limit, right? So mm. now all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you've hit your limit and now the risk is, uh, the financial risk is sort of back on the, the shoulders of the marketplace if they do bump up against that sort of shared limit. Right. So those are a couple of the issues. And again, it's not to say you can't go that route. Many folks do, especially early on, but I think it's one of those things that you don't even necessarily think about as a founder or as a um as a financial uh, CFO mm-hmm. running a, a marketplace, like that might not be obvious. And then you know, the final point I'll make on that is like, it tends to get pretty expensive, right? Like if your insurance company becomes, you know, realizes that your coverage is extending down to this growing litany of, of contractors that are on your platform who, and, and you're not doing any level of verification of insurance for those individuals, uh, your corporate policy is going to get expensive really quickly because they're going to understand, you know, there's a pretty good likelihood that you're going to bump up against that limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 
never thought of those things. So, I mean, what what's the what's the alternative, and and how is the insurance space sort of disrupting that? Because I presume that this doesn't work because these models, these business models, are are new and disruptive themselves. And and I suppose in a way, there then has to be disruption within the insurance industry to sort of catch up with what's actually happening in terms of the businesses yeah. themselves. No, that's right. And, and this is actually, you know, I can use Homie as a great example. Um, you know, when, when we started talking to Tony and the Homie team about their needs, you know, they sort of came to us identifying all these things and saying, hey, we need to start verifying insurance of our individuals because we want to, you know, push the risk of a job going bad down to the individual, which makes sense, right? If I'm a handyman and I'm doing work in someone's house, if something goes wrong, I should be liable for that. <laughs> you know, I'm the one doing the work and providing the service. So, so Tony and, and Homie wanted to push that liability down to the individual pro, and then they can now tell their homeowners like, "Hey, we've we've verified insurance. All pros on our on our platform are insured, and, and that provides peace of mind." So, with Homie, what we did was we did two core things. One was actually provide insurance verification as a service. Um, so, you know, as a marketplace, you're in the business of connecting, you know, gig workers or, or contractors with jobs, not necessarily understanding insurance. Um, but that's mm-hmm. our business, right? So, <laughs> so we provide a service where we can actually verify insurance. And we do this in a fully integrated way where, you know, right baked right into their onboarding flow without ever leaving, you know, homie sign up process, like we have a, a an insurance verification service that is just part of that sign up process. And you would never even know it's powered by Codery. Uh, so we do insurance verification on the front end to say, hey, if your provider is signing up for this platform, one of the things you have to have is insurance, prove that you have a general liability policy you know, with these limits and have added Homey as an additionally insured just to make sure that you know, if something does come back to Homey, they can sort of point to this policy. Um, so those are things we're doing on the front end to say, hey, make sure you have insurance. But the key and, and the thing you know, they were very keen on early on was like, we know if we start doing this, it's going to limit the flow of providers. And we may all of a sudden find ourselves in a place where we have more jobs than we have, you know, providers to provide service. So how do we do this without turning off our flow of providers? And that's where, you know, the innovation of, of Codery and our ability to offer short duration or job-based insurance comes in. So, you know, typically with a with a general liability policy or any insurance business insurance policy, it's it's usually just an annual policy. Um, but we have the ability to bring that annual policy and rate it all the way down to a day. So that if you're a, uh, you know, again, a handyman coming to hang a TV in someone's house, if you don't have a policy, you can opt into Codery short duration policies. And we're just going to give you a policy for that job for that day. And it's going to be added automatically to your job when you take it. So there's this nice optionality as a provider signing up to say, either if you already have a policy, show us you have a policy and, and that'll satisfy the needs or, opt into this short duration insurance and we'll just add a policy to every job you do so that you're properly covered so that you have your own limits so that you know the the marketplace doesn't have to bear the risk of the work you're doing and and homie presumably felt that that would prevent people from you know dropping off or opting out and and give them something that was what cost effective but also that that on demand thing is it because they felt that you know having these kind of big long policies 
would sort of cause people to, you know, what they call it, platform leakage or disintermediation where people yeah. would go elsewhere. So you really are retaining as well and, and preventing people from from dropping off the platform. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, again, if you, know, you mentioned this trend of like there's a lot of new gig workers all of a sudden. When you're first getting started, like you don't probably have a lot of money to spend up front. You, you know, you you may have to buy some tools. You may have to, you know, there's some startup costs associated with getting going, even as an individual gig worker or freelancer. If you also have to tack onto that, you know, a five hundred to two thousand dollar policy for an annual insurance product, like that may be a non-starter for you. Um, and so, if that's a, you know, if that's a hurdle you have to get up over just to get signed up with a platform like that may be the you know the turning point where i can't you know i just can't do this right so if we can come in and say hey you don't have to buy that annual policy maybe eventually that'll make more sense for you but how about just pay as you go like only buy coverage for when you need it when you actually have a job that resonates really well with a you know gig worker who's just getting started or maybe a gig worker who is doing it to supplement you know, reduced exactly. hours from maybe a job where they um you know the, the pandemic has meant that they are you know they have reduced hours or reduced pay and this is a kind of top up because you don't want to that's be that's exactly yeah. right mm-hmm. because so i can see that yeah really if you're very... doing a few jobs a week mm-hmm. again it, it doesn't make sense to have an annual policy if you're doing a few jobs a week a few jobs a month something like that yeah a couple odd jobs here and there to supplement income like this is a perfect option and no intention of of building that up at all but um and, right. and actually just using it as in a um you know an ad hoc way so then where does that lead the other side of the platform here because obviously we've been focusing on on the gig workers um how does the homeowner in, in the case of homey but obviously you know it applies to to I suppose the user side of the platform when we're talking about a gig platform how how does that work with them so they are told that the the insurance is with the individual worker and and the liability is with with them does that make them Mm -hmm. feel necessarily in in your opinion or from, from your experience that they are you know how do they feel about that because I suppose sometimes you would maybe want to know that the responsibility mm-hmm. was with the company rather than the individual. I don't know. I'm just worried. You know, I'm just thinking about how that, how that, how they sell that in as a platform, and how they communicate yeah. that with people that are using the platform rather than the providers. Yeah, I mean, what it does is it provides peace of mind to the whoever the you know the the person is hiring the individual. Again, whether it's a homeowner for a home services job or even a small business owner hiring a freelancer to come do, um, you know, web development for their company or accounting or something like that. In either case, like which sounds better, like here's a freelancer. We're not really sure, you know, if they have insurance or, you know, what would happen if something goes wrong or, Hey, everyone we provide you, we've verified their, they have insurance and they're covered. So in the case of a catastrophic event or something goes wrong, you know, there's an insurance company standing behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's sort of a, a no brainer of, OK, if we can actually tout that that we've verified insurance, that anyone we send your way uh, is in homie's case, a lot of things. But, you know, we've we've checked their identity. We've made sure they have proper licenses and they're verified insured. All these things start to add up and create like pretty significant peace of mind. And while 
an individual homeowner might not think about that. They should, right? Like most yeah. people don't know to, to ask the guy who's coming to trim their tree if, if they have a general liability policy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not an obvious thing. Um, but if you're a platform, you're a responsible platform, you ought to think about that on behalf of the homeowner, right? Or on behalf of the, the person hiring. So it is an additional sort of peace of mind. And then as you get into matching up more mature companies with freelancers, like if you're a Fortune 500 hiring contractors, like you, I promise you, you're verifying insurance of those contractors. So it also potentially opens up a new channel for these marketplaces of not only can you provide a service sort of pair up a, a provider with a homeowner or a small business, like it also may open up another channel for you of like corporate partners who now you can provide talent to them as well, because you can say our talent pool is verified and insured, which we know is a checkbox that you have to have, you know, on your side in order to hire folks. And that really fits in with what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation about the importance of insurance when it comes to not just starting up and getting going, and preventing lawsuits but actually scaling because if right. if you are stopping people from dropping off your platform you're preventing disintermediation and you're also creating an environment where partnerships are more likely to happen then all these things are going to help help you grow presumably um mm -hmm. so i would say you know if, if things go wrong we've talked about you know potential you know things you know where something could go wrong in the home that type of thing obviously we're, we're using homey as an example what else is ex is at stake if if you get this part of the the startup the gig economy startup equation wrong the insurance part wrong um and what what can cause the you know things to to go wrong because the insurance the right insurance isn't in place yeah again what i think you'll see is if you are if you are matching up um, you know job seekers, whether that's a homeowner or a company or whatever, right? Like folks who need a service with folks providing a service, um, let's say in the case of a homeowner, it's a you know a plumbing job, right? And I come in and I do some plumbing, and you know a week later, it turns out there was a a water leak that I caused from my work, and now there's thousands of dollars in damage. Um, or even worse, an electrician, and it causes a fire, and it you know literally burns down a home, okay. um, or you know, God forbid, someone gets hurt or mm -hmm. even injured or, or killed um, because of my work. Like all these things, as you might imagine, cause obviously a, a ton of um, stress, but also like financial burden for someone, right? Like if you're the homeowner uh, where this happened, like there's going to be a lawsuit. You're going to run after. Uh, you're going to want you know reparations for for the incident. And so the first place we're probably going to check is with the provider. And if it turns out that provider either doesn't have insurance or uh, doesn't have adequate insurance, you're going to follow the line, right? Like the next line is like, well, homie or whoever provided me this individual, this pro. So um, now I'm going to go after them and their corporate insurance policy and make sure that I, I get coverage. So you know, there's certainly the, the financial risk of having to pay out these, you know, large claims, um, over time, again, whether that's your policy or if you're not properly covered, it, it you know ends up being this kind of financial burden unexpected to you. Um, mm -hmm. So, so that is a, a real risk. And the other thing we you know we, we sort of talked about already is if if you're if you're scaling quickly, um, you know it's easy to 
pretty quickly uh, get less coverage, find yourself in a position where you have less coverage than you need. Because uh, mm-hmm. as a startup, you're certainly not going to spend a ton of money to get uh, more insurance than you need yeah. <laughs> very early on. And you might not think about revisiting that policy and, mm-hmm. and really just looking at your whole risk profile. And I think that's you know, one of the unique things about a company like Helmi is, is, you know, Tony has been there for quite a while. And so they've had literally a lawyer on, on you know, in-house thinking about the overall risk of their company and how to scale, you know, the, the risk coverage profile as they scale the, the platform. So, you know, that's one of those things where if your startup goes well, you know, you create a lot of sometimes good problems, right? One of those good problems might be like all of a sudden we're not properly covered for the you know risks that we're bearing because now, you know, while we had a hundred pros last month, maybe we grew quickly and we've got a thousand in a few months of that, like all of a sudden, know the the exposure you have has has significantly uh, increased and and maybe you haven't revisited that from your insurance policy yeah like you say a good problem to have so just as we finish up tim this has been so interesting I, i i was thinking about all these gig economy startup founders who are maybe in these early stages of conversations and the pandemic has has created their idea for them they're you know they're sitting on zoom calls right now brainstorming um their brilliant idea have you got a couple of tips just really quickly that you could um send out into into the um podcaster sphere that would um help them um at this really early stage when it comes to thinking about insurance, even if it's just <laughs> don't forget about it. Um, what, right. would you, what would you say to a really early stage startup, sort of pre-funding, seed funding, that kind of that kind of stage? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I having been in that founder seat multiple times, I know there's so many really important things on your list that you know. I would I would highly encourage you though to have someone on your team. Um, so for me, I've I've always said like. I won't start a business without having a strong operations person alongside me because that's an outage for me. So like knowing, knowing what your gaps are and making sure you have folks around you. In my case, you know, having an operations person, like that person is generally also the person who thinks about things like insurance. So have someone on your team who's thinking about it before you need it. Right. I'm not advocating you go buy a crazy amount of coverage when you, you know, when you're just a a napkin and an idea. Um, But thinking about that early on, it's, similar to, um, it's kind of funny. I talk about like, you know, from the, uh, from a cultural standpoint, one of the things I talk about with startup founders is overinvest in your culture, even early on before you have a bunch of people and similar to insurance, like it doesn't seem obvious to spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff. But again, you might find yourself in a, at a point where you've scaled quickly and you have a lot of people and, um, or you have a lot of contractors you're, you're sending out and all of a sudden there's a risk you just haven't accounted for. So, Think about it before you need it, uh, and then like have a system, a process to regularly revisit that. You know, again, whether it's someone on your team or it's a standing, you know, calendar invite on your calendar that just makes you think about, you know, sort of step out of the business and and think about working on the business. Put that sort of like a risk assessment on your list of things you're looking at to say where are outages, what what are the new risks we have because of the whatever's happened in the last six months. Maybe that means a an insurance policy. Maybe it means higher limits. Maybe it means new coverages. Um, maybe it means now it's time to start, you know, pushing that risk down the down to the individual and, and starting to verify their own coverage instead of us bearing that risk. Whatever it is, like have that 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 mechanism to regularly sort of reevaluate 
what risk you're bearing at, at different points. Um, and the last part I would say is like, if there are ways to make it value add, like make it value add. So again, we talked about this, like from a marketing standpoint, if you can start to say, Hey, we've got a verified insured population of, of providers, like in a world where there are a lot of new platforms and competitors popping up, trying to do this, anything that differentiates you from mm. the rest is going to be a, a, a really positive thing. Yeah. So how can this, how can insurance and as weird as it sounds like, how can that be a strategic strategic advantage to you? Is that a marketing thing? Does it open up this new like corporate channel of let's go after, you know, more mature companies and provide, um, you know, freelancers, contractors to them. Like what are the different ways that having a, you know, sort of a sound strategy and, and a protected population and a verified insured group, like how does that actually add value to you? So, I think those are a couple of things I would throw out as brilliant. Maybe could be differentiators. Yeah, and we I often ask platforms, you know, what you know, what's your secret sauce? Because you know, sometimes they're you know it's not obvious, and they've got to you know really find what what makes them different from their competitors. And if it is something like that, it's like, well, go for it. You know, <laughs> it's right. it's great. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much, Tim. Do please uh, check out everyone the brilliant webinar that Tim and Tony Hayden from Homey did. It's on the marketplacerisk.com website and it's called Vetting and Screening Your Workforce and it's in the webinar section of the website. So do check that out. And Tim, thank you so much for joining me on the Platform Podcast. My pleasure, Al. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform Podcast. Check out the master's program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers in more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.